Keep coming on So you don't have to do anything there. Don't worry, I'm just letting you know. Good morning, friends. If you haven't, that was nice. That was pretty rousing. Um, if it's your first time back since uh, the new year, welcome back. It is for me, so welcome back. Uh, and we're going to sing this morning to the Lord. We are going to pray together. We are going to hear from his word together. And that is a wonderful blessing that we get here at this time. So I'd ask you to stand with us. Play. sing together.
let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord with all of my heart, with all of my strength, with all that I am. I will sing that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Sing, there is a river. There is a river that flows unrestrained from your heart. And canyons of mercy so deep I could never depart. And Father, your wonders are endless. Open my eyes to believe, awake my soul. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. With all of my heart, with all of my strength, with all that I have, I will sing. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Morning by morning, morning by morning, your faithfulness shines like the sun. And heaven's on fire, alive with the brilliance of love. And Father, your wonders are endless. Open my eyes to believe, awake my soul. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. With all of my heart, with all of my strength, with all that I am, I will sing. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. With thanksgiving on our lips, we enter your courts today all our lives we freely give awaken my soul to praise let's sing that again with thanksgiving on our lips we enter your courts today all our lives we freely give awaken my soul to praise let everything that has breath praise the Lord. 
Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. With all of my heart, with all of my strength, with all that I am, I will sing. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Thank you for time together. Thank you for the intangible gift of singing together that comes that you, that you don't even fully explain and the, the strangeness that you call for praise in the form of song. And it didn't have to be that way. And you ask for it. Not that we'd all be great at it all the time, not that we wouldn't sing off notes um, and play the wrong chords, but that you accept our voices as a major part of how we communicate with you and how we celebrate you. So we thank you for these songs, we thank you for these words, and more than anything, we thank you that these words are true and that they always are, no matter how close or far we are to you. In our, in our minds and hearts that these words are true. I pray that you'd be with us as we continue to sing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. brought me back to his fold again while angels in his presence sang until the courts of heaven rang oh the love that sought me Oh, the blood that bought me, oh, the grace that brought me to the fold of God's. The grace that brought me to the fold of God's. died for me while I was sin, needy and 
poor and blind. He whispered to assure me, I found thee, thou art mine. I've never heard a sweeter voice. It made my aching heart rejoice. Oh, the love that sought me. Oh, the blood that bought me. Oh, the grace that brought me to the fold. Grace that brought me to the fold of God. grace I'll daily ponder and sing anew his praise sing it a bit louder with all adoring wonder his blessings I'll retrace it seems as if eternal days are far too short to sing his praise oh the love that's on me oh the blood that bought me oh the grace that brought me to the fold The grace that brought me to sing it again. Oh, the love that's on me. Oh, the blood that bought me. Oh, the grace that brought me to the fold of God's. One more time, grace that brought me to the fold of oh, the love that's on me. Oh, the blood that bought me. Oh, the grace that brought me to the fold of God's. The grace that brought me to the fold of God's. Grace that brought me to the fold of God. Grace that brought me to the fold of God.
We'll sing, Christ is my firm foundation. Christ is my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. Cause he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He wants. He wants. I've still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense, so I won't be going under. I'm not held by my own strength, cause I feel my life on Jesus. And He's never let me down, He's faithful through So why would he fail now? He wants. He wants. No, he wants. He won't fail. He won't fail. He wants. He wants. He won't fail. He won't was built on you I'm safe with you I'm gonna make it through rain came and wind blew but my house was built on you I'm safe with you Cause I'm gonna make it through I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make it through Cause I'm standing strong on you Yeah, I'm gonna make it through Cause my house was built on you Christ is my firm foundation the rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaking I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus He's never let me down He's faithful through generations 
so I would he fell now he wants no he wants he won't fail he won't fail he wants one more time no he won't he won't fail, he won't fail. Amen. Lord, pray that you give us the strength to trust that and to know that it's true every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you all. And it is really good to see our kiddos as well. Kids, we do not look at you as like one day you will be the future church. You are the church right now, and we just love having you with us. And we also love our City Kids volunteers so, so much. And I'm going to invite them to come before the children. Okay, wonderful children, you are dismissed to City Kids. Should have said walking, should have said walking, regrets. Okay, <laughs> welcome, my name is Sam. I have the privilege of overseeing our creative and tech folks here at Church of the City. And uh, if this is one of your first times here or maybe you haven't, uh, you know, you've only been once or twice, I just wanna remind you of who we are and our vision is in Guelph as it is in heaven. That's our deep, deep prayer and desire. And how we do that is by following Jesus together in Guelph. And if you want to learn more about who we are, if you want to uh, get on our newsletter or you've got items for prayer, there's actually a connection card. It looks like this. Do, do, do. Okay, come on now. There we are. Looks like that. Okay, and it's in the uh, pew in front of you, and we would invite you to fill that out. And I'm going to do a shameless plug as well here for volunteering. We talk a lot about how uh, in our church family we have shared ministry and that we carry together uh this, this ministry that we've been given here in Guelph. And we still have a, a large number of needs on many of our teams. And you might be sitting there and feeling kind of a nudge uh, or maybe just a passion for a certain area. And we, we have needs in all different areas. We've got needs in city kids, uh, music, tech, facilities, prayer. Uh, if you would like to get involved, you can also fill out this connection card. That is a great way uh, for us just to get to know you and uh, to chat with you about maybe what your next step is. And if you fill out one of those connection cards, you can just uh, put it at the welcome desk on your way out. Couple of announcements for us. The first is we have uh, next Sunday, the 14th, it's called Installation Sunday. Okay, it's very fancy. Uh, but what it is, is it is the, it marks the beginning 
of a new season for our church family uh, with Spencer as our uh, lead staff elder. And so we're going to take some time just to mark that together, to commit that to the Lord, to thank him for his faithfulness towards us. And we actually are going to have a little bit of a celebration after the service. And so we would invite you to come and have some coffee, have some treats after that service. Uh, now, treats and coffee are actually something we have after every service, and we would love to have you come and connect uh, in the cafe afterwards. But these are special treats next week. So... Don't know what they are, not ordering them, but they're going to be great. So I invite you to come out to that. Uh, we also have a new series starting on January 21st that I'm really excited about. We talk a lot about following Jesus in Guelph, and this is going to be an opportunity for us to unpack that. What does it mean to follow Jesus in those everyday rhythms? And uh, I just think it's going to be an incredibly practical series, and so I'm really excited about that. That's starting on the 21st. Now, the last order of business that I have is we've got an MC leaders training coming up. Um, just by a little, like, subtle, you know, hand up, do we have MC leaders here in our midst? Yeah, there's a few of you. Awesome. So we talk a lot about MCs here, and what that stands for is missional communities, which is uh, where we are together as a family of disciples, and we're on mission together, and we have a really great training coming up on February 3rd here at Norfolk, and you can register for that on the Church Center app. Now, tech team, I'm throwing you for a loop. Do you have the Church Center app? You do. You guys are amazing. You guys should join the tech team and also be amazing with them. Um, <laughs> so the Church Center app is where we have our calendar. It keeps you in the loop on everything that is happening in our church family. And I'd really encourage you to go get the app. And when you actually uh, put in that it is uh, Church of the City in Guelph, it will automatically uh, kind of populate that with all of the things. It's where you can register. We are also going to uh, continue on in our worship now with our giving, and uh, this is an opportunity for us to be so generous with a God who is unbelievably generous with us, and so there are multiple ways that we can give. You can give through uh, our website, and that's uh, guelph.churchofthecity.ca slash give. You can also give... Um, just, you know, physically with envelopes. We actually have envelopes at the Welcome Center at the back. And you can also do text to give and you just uh, text the number that's up there for any amount. Uh, but that's just an opportunity for us to continue in our worship. I'm going to invite Steph to come up and she's going to read our scripture. Good morning, church family. We will be reading from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. I will be reading from the ESV version. And if you did not bring a Bible with you, there should be one in your pew. And if you enjoy it, you can use it for today or take it home for yourself. Or if you know of somebody who would like a Bible or needs a Bible, please use that as a gift. The full assurance of faith. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, 
And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Church of the City. Sorry, I said that while I was walking away from you. Good morning. Uh, my name is Spencer. I have the privilege of being uh, the lead staff elder here at Church of the City. If you have no idea what that means, please come and ask me after, and I would be happy to uh, explain that. And happy 2024. Happy New Year. Uh, as Nick said, um, some of you have been away for a number of weeks visiting family or um, getting some much-needed rest, and so it is great to be back together uh, with old faces and to see some new faces this morning as well. Um, we did something at the start of 2023, if you were with us, uh, where I put a verse out there. If you were with us at the start of last year, uh, you know that we were entering into a little bit of a new season as a church. Matt Naismith, one of our founding pastors, had just come off of staff uh, at Church of the City and was starting on sort of a new adventure, he and his family. And so I gave us a verse, I proposed a verse that might frame the year for us. Uh, the verse was Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, which says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And we explored that verse a little bit uh, a year ago when, when I uh, proposed this as a theme verse for the year. Um, Paul writes, continue steadfastly. He's asking this church in Colossae and I think us as well to be steadfast in prayer, to persist. We need to persist. There's an implication there, right, that at times that's going to be difficult, that there's going to be challenges to that. But we need to keep pressing on in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, Paul writes. In other words, keeping, our, uh, keeping ourselves alert, keeping our eyes open. What is God doing in our midst, in our city? Being watchful with thanksgiving, that gratitude is the foundation of our prayer. And so uh, I said, perhaps this verse might frame this, this coming year for us as a church. And so it was fitting then that last Sunday, if you were with us, Mike led us in a little bit of a reflection on the year that was. We looked back a little bit, and we, as a, a key part of last Sunday, we shared some stories. Where has God been at work in our midst over the last year? Uh, it was a rich time together. And so uh, this morning will sort of be a, a good uh, counterpoint to last week, if you were with us. Last week we were looking back. Uh, this morning I want us to, similarly to we, what we did a year ago, to look forward at 2024, and I'm going to propose another verse that might frame this year for us, okay? Um, it was one of the verses that, that Steph read for us 
We'll get to that in just a second, but first, before we go any further, uh, every morning that we're together in this time that we call reunion, uh, we, uh, particularly when we come to this part of the morning, the message, we like to just stop for a second. Uh, usually we've, we've sang some, we've, uh, you know, heard some announcements, you've maybe come in early, late, whatever it may be, we're all in sort of a different headspace, and so we like to pause Take a few deep breaths. Consider how you're feeling. Check in with yourself. Know that God cares about that. And then we continue on. So do that now. We'll pause. I will pray. And then we'll continue. Jesus, we say again at the start of a new year that this church is yours. You lead it. You are our shepherd. We want to follow no other voice but yours. And so as we look ahead at this year, might we sense your leading and guiding. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I imagine many of you can relate to this, particularly, you know, we, many of us have been together with family over the holidays. Our families have this unique ability to kind of know how to get us riled up, don't they? Uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're not ready to talk about this because you had a, a moment just a week or two ago where you got a little too riled up, I don't know. I will never forget uh, a conversation with my family. I don't exactly remember when it was, it was a number of years ago, but uh, where, you know, my family likes this, uh, this um, reality of sort of poking fun at each other. It's how we show love. Now, sometimes we poke a little too much, but um, my family was having a conversation, and they, someone was imitating me, and they were doing this hand motion. They were showing me, like, upset or riled up, and they were doing this hand motion. And I'm, you know, as is often the case when someone's imitating you, you're sitting there thinking, I don't do that. Like, that's not me at all. That's terrible. And so I get up and I start to defend myself and I realize I'm doing the exact hand motion that they were doing. And I sort of look at my hands and then, you know, reality sets in and I thought, oh gosh, I'm doing the thing. And so since that conversation, I've been far more, you know, cognizant and uh, um, self-conscious of what I do with my hands as I am in this moment. So I'm going to stick this one in my pocket for a minute, okay? But families do have this sort of unique power over us. They know us better often than others do, and so they know these ways to get us going. Sometimes in, uh, you know, helpful or at least benign ways, and sometimes maybe in unhelpful ways, right? I think you'll agree with that. And this is sort of the, the idea, I think, that the writer of Hebrews is starting to get at in this passage that was read for us, and actually in a particular verse. The verse I want to put forward for us as perhaps a theme for this year is Hebrews 10.24. And just as a little aside, this is actually great. Steph read for us from the ESV this morning. I'm going to be reading largely from the CSB. If you were with us a few weeks ago, you know I said we were going to be sort of transitioning versions a little bit. And so in the pews right now, you'll still find ESV versions, uh, but we're going to start... Uh, Soon in the pews, you'll start to find CSB Bibles. I'm going to be reading from the CSB this morning, okay? So Hebrews 10, 24 says this, And let us consider one another in order to, the CSB says, provoke love and good works. 
And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. If you have the ESV, I believe it says to stir up love and good works, or perhaps good deeds. So let's step back for a second. We're not, you know, starting in on a series in the book of Hebrews this morning. We're just going to spend some time there this morning, but I still think it's helpful to give a small bit of context. There is a lot that we don't know about the book of Hebrews. Uh, Commentators are not certain of the author of the book of Hebrews. In fact, there's so much uncertainty that the church father Origen said of the author of Hebrews, only God knows. Only God knows. There are theories, but there is no consensus. Likewise, the time that the book was written is not entirely clear. Again, there are some clues, but it's not perfectly clear. And likewise, the exact audience that it was being written to is not totally clear. Now, there is some things that are agreed upon about this book. One of those is that the audience was very, very likely uh, Jewish Christians. The reason we we believe that is because the writer of Hebrews assumed that their audience had a great deal of understanding of the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. And we gather some clues from the book itself that it was Hebrew Christians and that they had faced some struggles, some trials. They were beaten up a bit. We know this. One of the best clues for this is later on in chapter 10, verse 32. It says this, Remember the earlier days when, after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. You endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Now, R. Kent Hughes, who wrote a commentary in the book of Hebrews, says this about the audience. Again, there's lots we don't know, but he said, Their Christianity had not been a worldly advantage. Their Christianity had not been a worldly advantage. I suspect that's a a sentiment that some of us can relate with, that being a follower of Jesus in the world today, you know, doesn't necessarily do us any favors. And in fact, at times, it might actually feel like, oh, it sort of puts us at odds with people. So I suspect that we can relate with the recipients of this book. And so what does the writer of Hebrews do? What does he spend his time writing about? Well, the writer shines a light on Jesus, puts the focus squarely on Jesus. Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says, is better than the heavenly messengers, the angels talked about in the Old Testament, because in Jesus we have God himself speaking to us. Jesus is better than Moses, this man of a God that was held so highly in the Hebrew Scriptures. Because Jesus, unlike Moses who led the Israelites into this promised land, and if you've read the Old Testament, you know that that was a mixed experience. Uh, some, Some faithfulness, lots of unfaithfulness in the land of Israel there. Unlike Moses who leads the Israelites into the promised land, Jesus leads us into a rest, into a place of rest that's eternal. A rest that will never end. Jesus is better than the priests of the Old Testament because he is a sinless one, permanently interceding on our behalf before the Father. And Jesus is a better sacrifice than what we see in the Old Testament because in him we have a sacrifice that's made once and for all to cleanse us of our sins. And I think, friends, that this passage that Steph read for us a moment ago in Hebrews chapter 10, is sort of a a crescendo of sorts about all of these ideas. So look again with me at that passage. Again, I'm going to be reading from the CSB. So Hebrews 10, starting at verse 19. 
Again, remember all that we just said, this, the writer of Hebrews writing to this sort of beleaguered uh, audience of Jewish Christians shines this light on Jesus that he is better, and th- this is sort of a crescendo of sorts. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain. That is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful." since he who promised is faithful. So Christians struggling to hang on to hope in the world needed to fix their eyes on Jesus. His goodness, his sufficiency, his love. And this sounds good, doesn't it? When we read these words, and it seems simple enough. All right, fix our eyes on Jesus. We can do that. But anyone who has been a disciple of Jesus for more than five minutes knows that it's not that straightforward in the everyday stuff of life. Progress comes slower for us as disciples than we want it to, doesn't it? The fruit of the Spirit that we're praying for seems to grow pretty slowly. And discouragement sneaks up on us more often than we would like. Challenges come at us in our life when we least expect it, at least expect them to come. And before we know it, months, sometimes years have gone by, and we look back and we see very little growth, perhaps. We see little growth and we feel lots of discouragement. And the writer of Hebrews knows this. And so they give us a crucial principle for the Christian life. And I hope if you've spent any time with us at Church of the City, You already know this and believe this to be true. A crucial principle for following Jesus. We cannot do it alone. We cannot do it alone. Verse 24. This verse that I propose might be a theme verse for us this year. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, for the rest of our time together uh, this morning, I want us to do two things. First, I want us to understand, particularly verse 24, I want us to look at some of the pieces of this and really understand it. And then secondly, I want us to talk about a few different ways that we can actually do this, that we can do what verse 24 is asking us to do. Uh, In other words, how do we apply this to our lives, okay? You're with me? Here we go. Breaking down this verse a little bit more. Verse 24, it starts, and consider one another. So this isn't just, the writer's not talking about just a, a passing glance. They are asking us to very carefully examine I don't, I don't know, parents in the room, if you've ever had this conversation. I actually remember having this conversation when I was a kid, and I just had it with one of my sons yesterday when we were at the mall. 
Uh, the difference between like just looking at people and staring at people um, and uh, you know I remember as a kid being like well am I just supposed to like look down at the ground the whole time and my parents saying well not staring is different than looking at someone um, and yesterday we were walking through the mall and my son said it's really hard not to look at people there's a lot of people here and I said no no no, no. Uh, just looking at people and staring at someone are two different things. But the writer of Hebrews is asking here for an intense sort of uh, gaze, right? A staring of sorts. Consider one another carefully. And we need to realize before we go any further, friends, that as with so much else in the New Testament, so much encouragement about the Christian life, passages like this make it clear that we must go about our days with purpose with intention, to be aware of the world around us and the people in it, and to give special care and attention to the fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that we share life with. This challenges any kind of notion that we may have, friends, that the church is really just a collection of disciples kind of doing their own thing. Right? I do my thing, you do your thing, and then when we put it all together, you know, the sum is greater than the parts. Of course, we are called to be faithful individually, to follow Jesus, and that's what that series that Sam talked about a moment ago is going to be talking about. But we are called to consider one another as well, and that requires intention. The only other time the writer of Hebrews uses this word is in chapter 3, when they write, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. So in some ways, the writer is saying that the same focus that we place on the author of our faith, our Savior Jesus Christ, we should be giving to each other. Let me give you an example that might illustrate the difference here. The difference between just kind of the casual passing each other by that we sometimes get in the habit of and carefully considering one another. I love to give Christmas gifts. But as with uh, all of us, I imagine, there are times when out of busyness or something, you know, you've got your list and you just need to check the boxes, right? Like, okay, I got these six more people I need to buy for and I need to buy by, you know, three days from now, right? So you just have to check the boxes and, and usually it shows in the gift that you end up getting, right? The, hopefully the person knows that you love them, that they care, that, that you care about them, but it's, you can tell the difference between a gift that sort of checks a box and the gift, the kind of gift that I love to give, which is one where I sit and I think, I think about conversations I've had with the person, and I come up with something that's special, right? You can tell those kinds of gifts when you receive them. I think that's the kind of care, the kind of attention that the writer is asking us to give to each other. To not simply just sort of go about life, maybe you're in a missional community, not just sort of showing up for a potluck time, showing up for a DNA, going about your business, but caring for and about one another. Consider one another. Then they say, in order to provoke. In order to provoke. And I gave that story. Lost my page here. There we are. Early on about how families have this unique ability to rile us up. I called the message this morning, if you follow us on social media, fired up. And I thought, oh gosh, I really s struggle with that. Like, fired up. <laughs> you know, it sounded a little, uh, I don't know, something. Um, you know, the middle school uh, basketball team. Like, our theme for this year is fired up, guys. That's kind of how it felt. But 
That's the closest phrase, I think, to what the writer is talking about that we should be doing with one another. Like stirring one another up, as it says in the ESV. Provoking each other. The New American Standard says stimulating. So we get to know each other. We consider each other so that we can become what R. Kent Hughes calls positive irritants. I love that. Positive irritants that we know how to push one another to greater holiness, to greater uh, love, greater good works. That's what the author says that we are to be instigating, that we are to be provoking. Love and good works. And if you've spent any time reading the Gospels or the rest of the New Testament, you know that those two things go hand in hand. That as we grow in love for God, we begin to grow in love for the people around us. And that growing love stimulates good work in us. It spills out into action. Okay, if that's what this verse is talking about, consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, then how might we do this? And I hope and I pray that this might be themes that we see popping up in our church in the coming year. Five ways that we might apply this to our lives, okay? Five S's, just to help you remember them, okay? S for Spencer, you know, that's not why I did the S's, okay? Uh, Five things. This first one is a prerequisite to all the others, and I think it will become obvious why. Uh, uh, Yeah, obvious why that's the case. The first way that we apply this in our lives together is by spending time together. This should be painfully obvious, I would think, that if we're going to consider one another in order to provoke each other, to stir each other up to uh, love and good works, that we need to be together. But sadly, this, this isn't always understood, and the writer of Hebrews knew that, and thus the next verse Not neglecting to gather together, as is the habit of some. And we see here, sometimes this verse gets just popped out of this context and sort of made this command that came out of thin air. So we need to gather together. But we see why here, don't we? That we're called to consider each other in order to push each other, to, to provoke one another to love and good works. And that requires that we be together. And furthermore, this does not just apply to this time here on Sunday mornings, what we call reunions. And that's why we call it reunions, by the way, because we believe it should be a reflection of our daily lives lived together. John Piper, who is a firm believer in the importance and the value of Sunday mornings and of the preached word, he says this, I have no illusions that preaching is enough in the life of a believer. He's talking about this passage, by the way, expositing this passage. I have no illusions that preaching is enough in the life of a believer. The New Testament, and especially this book of Hebrews, calls us again and again to a kind of mutual ministry that involves all the believers in encouraging others. We have a value at Church of the City of life in a spiritual family. Life in a spiritual family, and we sort of describe that by saying this, we share all of life as we follow Jesus together. And on the one hand, we just, we have this as a value because this is how we want to live our lives. But on the other hand, we believe that that's kind of what's needed. In other words, that we're not going to become the kind of disciples that we want to be. We're not going to have the kind of effect on our city that we want to have if we aren't spending time with one another in order to push each other, to provoke each other to greater love and good works. We need to spend time together. Secondly, second S, 
way that we could apply this, the scriptures, the scriptures, the second way that we might consider each other to provoke one another to love and good works is through the scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. If you've read the scriptures much, you will know this verse. Paul writes to his spiritual son in the faith, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. This to me sounds like the kind of ways that we might be pushed, provoked to love and good works. Let me ask you this. How often are you in the presence of other followers of Jesus where the scripture is read aloud? Reading the scriptures on our own is important. Don't make any mistake. But how often do you hear it read aloud? We heard it read aloud this morning. That's why we do that every morning. But was the last time last Sunday or maybe a few weeks ago when we were here at another reunion? Oh, I would argue that needs to change. We need to be pouring the scriptures, God's word to us, into all of our life that we share together. Families, missional communities, Sunday mornings, and beyond. Number three, the third S, speaking the truth. The third way that we consider one another in order to provoke love and good works is speaking the truth. This is where we start to, you know, pull the collar a little bit. It's getting warmer in here. Ephesians 4 verse 15 says this. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, to Christ. Now, sometimes, friends, this is going to be offering encouragement. Speaking, uh, uh, speaking life into people. Naming things that we see God doing in them or doing through them. I'm going to just be shameless about this. The gentleman that we saw here playing the violin, Kyle Dick, is in my missional community. And Kyle, I believe, is a gifted evangelist. And we, are, we get to share life together in an MC, and I try and remind him of that. Like, you're an evangelist, and you got to keep doing that. Do, fan into flame this gift that God has given you. That's a way that we speak the truth to one another. Naming the things that we see God doing in each other and through each other. Sometimes... This involves, speaking the truth involves hard words. Hard words. I'll give you an example. I'm just going to leave names out of it. But a friend of mine, a a fellow follower of Jesus, went through a really difficult time recently. And I kind of watched some of this developing. And I thought, you know, I, I know him. And he's sort of a private person. And he will reach out when he wants to get together. And so I kind of just waited. Well, time went on. And, and, you know, we chatted, but eventually, a number of months later, he had the faithfulness to me to say, you let me down. That really hurt. I needed you to be there. I know I didn't ask, but I needed you, and and you weren't there. And he was right. He was completely right. And his faithfulness to me as a friend, despite my failing him in that instance, is helping me to love better. It's helping me to be a better pastor. But he needed to have the courage to share those words with me. But because of the life that we have lived together, I know that he loves me. I know that he loves me. And that he's trying to provoke greater love and good works in my life. And I'm grateful that he had the courage to share those words with me. Number four, the fourth S, serving. Serving. Jesus talked a lot about serving, but then he also demonstrated it in powerful ways. 
the, one of the most vivid, of course, we're going to celebrate commun- or take communion here in a moment, which of course is remembering his death on the cross, but he also demonstrated this vividly in washing his disciples' feet. He talked about it, but then he showed it. I would ask, as Sam plugged a minute ago, how are you serving your brothers and sisters? Are you engaged here at reunion? Are you serving in a missional community? What does that look like? I believe that one of, the, one of my favorite ways to serve you is this. Considering you, as I do, as I sit at my desk during the week and prepare a message so that I might provoke you to love and good works. Serving. And number five, finally, is stories. Sharing stories with each other. We did this last week as we talked about stories of God's faithfulness through 2023. I've said this before, friends, and I'll keep saying it over and over. Stories are one of the most valuable currencies in the life that we live together, on our discipleship journeys, and particularly for a church like ours, where so much is happening outside these walls. We need you to bring back stories of what God is doing. We heard stories last week of healing, stories of conviction. We need you to be telling about God's work out there in your life in order to provoke us. When I hear a story of someone feeling this conviction, as we did last week, feeling a conviction to go and ask for forgiveness, it provokes me and makes me ask the question, wow, is there anywhere in my life that I need to be going and asking for forgiveness? We needed that story. We need your stories of what God is up to. And let me just say, like, I'm not, this isn't just, I'm not just saying this. We, we need them. Like, talk to your missional community leaders and say, hey, we should share this story. We set up this little page on our website under connect. There's a drop down for stories. You can just click there and type in a story. And you might think, well, this is kind of goofy. I just, you know, I needed money for something and God provided it. We want to hear those stories. Share them with us. Get them to us in some way. Send an email. Go on our website. Whatever it takes, we need to hear them. We need to be sharing stories with each other. These five things, friends, if these characterize 2024 for us, I would be so excited to see what God would do in us and through us over the next year. If we were spending more time together, if we were reading the scriptures together, if we were speaking the truth over one another, serving each other, and sharing stories of how God is showing up, whoa, we'd be a different church in a year. And so now, we are going to do what I just mentioned a moment ago in sharing communion. I should have, you know, this might be a, a bonus way that we apply this truth, provoking one another to love and good works. Because communion is something that we do together, isn't it? Uh, some of you will know this. Uh, yesterday was Epiphany. Uh, Epiphany is this day celebrated in certain parts of, of uh, the Christian tradition Um, And traditionally what it's celebrating is the visit of the Magi, the wise men. And here I want to be very clear. Sometimes we're opening the scriptures and we're really expositing them. We're digging into them, trying to understand the words that are used. Sometimes there's exposition and sometimes there's imagination. This is firmly imagination, what I'm about to say, okay? But there's this visit recorded in Matthew's gospel of these three or we don't actually know. There's three gifts, so we assume there were three. Wise men, that's a great little, you know, next Christmas trivia question to trip your grandfather up with or something. I don't know. Um, but we certainly get the sense that there were multiple wise men. Uh, 
but let me ask this question again. This is not exposition. It's purely imagination. Would one have made it alone? I don't know. We don't know exactly where they came from. Matthew tells us the east. Commentators would guess somewhere, uh, sort of Babylon, Persia. I would guess that they needed each other for this journey. So what, you know, a week or two into this, a month into this, so what are we doing again? Okay, we're following this star that's moving. Okay. Uh, And I imagine it took spurring on by each other. Let's go one more day. It's extra bright today. Let's follow it one more day. Let's get just over those hills and see what happens. I would guess that they needed each other. And if we ask the question, was it worth it? Matthew says this, Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. When they saw the star, this is at the end of their journey, when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child. God put on flesh, that child, with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so, why am I talking about this before communion? May this journey that you make from your seat to the communion table be symbolic of that journey to Jesus as you come and collect these elements that signify for us his body and his blood. Would this be symbolic of that journey? A journey of of worship, and as you come and gather these elements that Christ gave for us, would you offer back to him your very life? Would you say, I'm willing to consider not only you, Jesus, and all that you've done for me, but the people you've put around me, my brothers and sisters, your body. Would you give that as an offering to him? As you walk to this table, would you look at those that you walk beside and behind and in front of? Would you consider them? Would you consider those that you walk with day in and day out in a missional community if you're a part of one? Consider those brothers and sisters, how to provoke them into greater love and good works. Let me pray, then I will give just a couple of instructions for this. Jesus, would we be disciples who go about our lives every aspect of our lives with great purpose and intention. As one Christian writer says, the the dead leaves move around more than anything else, but they're just being blown around by the wind. Would we be disciples who move throughout life with intention and purpose that comes from you? Would we be considering you who you are, all that you have done for us, all that you want to do in us, and will we consider the brothers and sisters, the family that you have put around us, and how together we might make this city look more like heaven. Pray this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. If you are a follower of Jesus, whether or not you are a member of Church of the City, whether this is your 
first Sunday or your 50th, you're welcome at the communion table. Here's how we do this. Uh, We'll start at the front and move to the back, and we'd encourage you to exit into the middle uh, and come forward, gather the elements, and then go back around the sides. Hope that makes some sense. Uh, Let's do that now. And then hold the elements, and we'll take them together in just a moment.
Let me say this. As we read this morning, God desires to use us to provoke each other, to stir each other up. Sometimes, however, he does this purely through the voice of his spirit speaking to our hearts and minds. If that's happening for you this morning and you want to pray with someone, our prayer team is at the front. Don't ignore that stirring up, that provoking from the spirit. Come and pray. We'll be singing in a moment. You can do that then or after the service as well. I invite you to take the, the bread. And in Matthew's gospel, much later on, years after the visit of those wise men to this baby, the man, Jesus, spoke. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat it. This is my body. And then he took a cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's sing together. you to stand if you're able and if you're ready. Worthy of every song, worthy of every song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever bring, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy and holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Worthy. 
worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you and we sing jesus the name above every other name jesus the only one who could ever Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me upon your love it is a firm foundation i will put my trust in you alone and i will not be shaken i will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation and i will put my trust in you alone and i will not be changed sing Jesus Jesus how I trust you and Jesus Jesus how I trust him how I've proved him or and or Jesus Jesus precious Jesus Let's sing that again Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him, or and or. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. We sing holy and holy. There is no one like you, 
there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me from the end of the book of hebrews now may the god of peace who brought up from the dead our lord jesus the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant equip you with everything good to do his will working in us what is pleasing in his sight through jesus christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen you're dismissed <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>